Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Welcome to the show, our Week 16 edition for the regular season, Christmas weekend. Are you ready for this, Kurt? You putting anything on the smoker? What do you got going on? Oh, yeah, doing uh, the usual stuff. We're also going to do prime rib, so that's our... That's our Christmas edition is I'm going to smoke a prime rib. So that'll, I love we'll that. see, we'll see what the family thinks. This is kind of breaking from tradition for them, my wife's family. So we'll see how it goes. I love it. You always got, you always got something on the menu. I was going to check in with you on, on your menu around these holidays. Oh, yeah. but how you feeling about the Steelers, man? All of a sudden you look up, uh, you know, as down as we are on the team, you look up and now you're tied in the loss column with the Bengals and the Ravens. You're, you're right there. You have a chance to win this thing. The Browns and the yeah. Ravens both go down, and the Steelers pull off a big comeback win against Tennessee, and they're right back in this thing. Yeah, it, it, and you know, it's crazy. I, I was telling some people after the game, I said, it's probably less complicated for the Steelers to win the AFC North than it is to get in in a wild card at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it would be easier just to win because they've got a game against the Ravens coming up. They've got a game against the Browns coming up. Just win your games, and you've got a real good shot of winning the North. Now, Cincinnati, I don't know, you know how their how their season finishes out, but they're in they're in the lead right now. Well, I guess they're tied for the lead with the the Ravens, but yeah, I mean, it really to me, it just magnifies that Lions game so much. You know, that tie against Detroit has made all the difference. That 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 would that was such a huge game. Um, at this point, every week, it just gets bigger and bigger that they couldn't finish that game. And so, you know, the, the, it's, it's nuts. There's, what, 13 teams in the AFC that have 500 records or better? Game. I mean, it's, it's, an absolute it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I, I feel bad for, like, the, you know, we, we writers, we all just steal the the analytics and the, the all the mathematical piece of it that some poor people sit around and calculate all these <laughs> tiebreakers and scenarios I'd, I'd lose my mind if I had to had to do that myself, but it's insane. You know, you'll probably see something tomorrow. People put out, you know, playoff clinching scenarios and how many games have to happen and what has to happen for different teams to get in, and it's it's only going to get more complicated. I mean, this is this is you know the time of year when when normally teams are deciding what do they want to do with their starters and you know things like that and. You just you don't you have no idea who's going to make the playoffs at this point. It's 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 insane, but that's why we love the NFL. Yeah, no, it, it is absolutely insane. I mean, Kurt, you're you're not feeling better about that tie with the against the Lions after they went out and beat uh, Arizona. Like, what what are we talking about? Yeah. It's crazy. Well, there's there's no polls. You know, there's no quality wins at this point. No no voters are going to look at that and go, well, maybe that tie wasn't so bad now because yeah. it's still bad. Yeah, it's no still doubt. bad. Yeah, I I think you know. 
not only do we not know who's ultimately going to make the playoffs, we also can hardly keep track of who's going to play each week. It's really come down to what teams can manage the COVID situation better. Yeah. And, you know, both the Steelers and the Chiefs have some issues with that, including the Chiefs. They're a little bit worse off. We'll get into all that later on in the show. But one thing I wanted to lead off with on the show this week, Kurt, with you is something that you were tweeting about. Mike Tomlin, no one's going to put him on the hot seat at all. You know, he's he's one of the better coaches in the league. He, his team's always here. You know, this, this feels like it's a down year. And here they are again, right around 500, competing for the playoffs like they do every single year. But you put a tweet out there that, Tomlin's a good coach, but let's not pretend that the Steelers have been a well-coached team this season. Uh, why don't right. you like expand on that? What do what, what you mean by that tweet? Well, and I think that goes beyond Tomlin. I, I think that goes to everything that we've heard so far this year. You know, the, you know, the comments from about um, Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, has never called a defensive play. You know, the Matt Canada offense that was supposed to come in and, and revolutionize, you know, or modernize Pittsburgh's offense this year hasn't happened. Um, the, the inability to, to have a, a game plan in place at the start of a game. I mean, we, you know, it's very well publicized how bad the Steelers are in the first half of games. Um, and that's, that's a coaching issue. I mean, that is, that is an issue of why, why aren't the Steelers coaches getting, putting these guys in a position to be successful right out of the gate. And, I, I that all eventually trails back to Mike Tomlin. You know what is he what is he doing or not doing at this point to to make this team better? I understand he's not he can't add talent. I understand that there's not you know there aren't any free agents sitting out there just waiting for a job that are gonna gonna turn this roster around. But at the same time, I, I still don't think they're maximizing what their team does well and trying to minimize the things that the team does poorly. I, I think you look at the run game as a perfect example of that. I think the lack of using no huddle and tempo is a, is a perfect example of that. That's like, those are coaching decisions. And I, I, I don't know, but you know, it's interesting. I, I send out a tweet like that and the, the replies from Steelers fans are completely polarized. It, it's, it's one way or the other you have one one camp of Steelers fans who think that Tomlin should have been fired 10 years ago. And you have another camp of Steelers fans who think he should never be fired under any circumstances. And there's really not much in between. There really isn't. The, 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 the fans that defend Mike Tomlin point to the fact that he, he has never had a season under 500, that he won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl, um, you know, the number of AFC North titles, the number of playoff appearances. Then the other side of it, you have the people who say, well, yeah, he's won one playoff game in seven years or whatever the case is. And, you know, they're, they've been one and done so many times without, you know, they haven't been, I mean, they've been in the playoff contention. It was, a, it was an interesting stat I saw today. The Steelers have been in, in Super Bowl contention, like not elim- mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, 22 straight years with three weeks left to play. And that's the longest streak in the NFL. It's a cool stat. And it's like, it's like, that's great. But if you aren't a serious contender, like you aren't a threat, how much weight does that really carry? And I think that's where that really divides the fan base. I think that you have to look at, look at Mike Tomlin's teams and go, okay, is this a serious playoff contender? You know, look at the team that start 11 and 0, you know, every even even his detractors then said the wins are ugly. 
The games aren't pretty. They're still not scoring a lot of points. The, you know, it's all going to come crashing down at some point, And it did. And, and so again, I, I think ultimately, even when it comes to the roster, you know, the, the people who want to defend Mike Tomlin want to defend the offensive line for being young and, and this and this, but Mike Tomlin's one that built that offensive line. He picked those guys. He could have drafted different players. He could have signed different players. This is the roster that he wanted. And now he's got to ride with it, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting when I put a tweet like that out or I write an article about is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat, you know, toward the end of, of last season when the season kind of fell apart and, and they were, the team was backpedaling quite a little bit, you know, it's like, is this going to change anybody's mind? And it's, it's almost split right down the middle. Either, either he should never be fired or he should have been fired a decade ago. And there's, there's not much in between for the fans. He probably won't be fired because it's Pittsburgh. They don't fire the no, head coach. No. Uh, but you brought up the the, uh, the slow starts. Ever since that tie with the Lions, since Big Ben's came back from the COVID list, the Steelers, Kurt, have scored six total first quarter points. Mm-hmm. Six total. Two field goals. That was back in week 12 and week 11. They haven't scored in the first quarter in their last three games. And if you want to expand it to the first half, 19 total first half points in the last five games. So, I mean... Yeah. The comeback bids, like we saw against the Vikings, down 29 nothing, and the Titans game, which is you know a little bit less but a better team, those are great, but you can't make your living like that, right? You're not going to – that's not no. sustainable. So, you know, what, what do you think goes into that? Why do the Steelers continue to start painfully slow in these games, and how do they change that? I mean, it feels like it's a game-planning issue. It feels like it, it really does, especially on offense – it doesn't feel like they are, you know, we always talk about offensive scripts and teams coming out with a, a scripted first opening drive or whatever the case may be. I don't, I don't, I don't get that read from the Steelers. Now I'm sure they do have a script that they follow. You know, why aren't they incorporating Najee Harris in the passing game more? Why isn't Pat Firemuth getting targeted right away? You know, why, you know, all, all we hear is Mike Tomlin talk about possession downs. You know, you have to win on possession downs, whether it's offense or defense. Why isn't Fryermeet the most targeted guy on the team on third down then? Why isn't Najee Harris the second most targeted guy on third down? You know, why why are why are these decisions being made? How much of this falls on on Roethlisberger? How much of it falls on the coaches? Ultimately, I think it always comes back to to the coaches not putting the team in the in the best position to be successful. I just don't think I don't think long throws on third and two is a smart way to handle a possession down. And you all you have to do is go to Twitter and you search for that and it's out there. I mean game after game after game. You know, two third and two, boom, takes a shot over the top. Well if you're not planning to go for it on fourth down, don't make the don't make that play on third down. You know, if you're if you're not in a position where you know, sustaining drives is the only way that they're going to be successful. And I think they have to come out with a plan of attack to sustain drives. You want to take those deep shots, take them later in the game, you know, take them when you have to, but don't take them when you don't. Defensively, I think it's, you know, a case where I'm really shocked the defense hasn't worn down a little bit in the first halves, but you see it from them too. You know, the defense is, significantly less effective in the first half too. And I think that's a product of the offense just can't stay on the field. The offense is just running those guys back onto the field over and over again. And I think that they have to find a way 
And I don't think it's going to be sustaining it on the ground. I just don't, I don't think at this point in the year a, a, run, a consistent rushing attack is going to appear. I don't I don't think it's out there. I don't think they have a second running back on the team. I, I, I don't think they have the offensive line in place to run the football consistently. And I think you have to look back to like 2019 um, and 2018 when it was a pass to set up the run kind of a situation. And, and I think they need to go back to that. But for whatever reason, um, the, the Steelers' offense just just sputters. And, you know, Roethlisberger talked about it today. They acknowledge it's a thing. They don't know why it's happening. They said today, but we don't panic about it, so we're okay. Well, no, you're not okay. <laughs> yeah. Because if, Can- because if Kansas – you can't do that to Kansas City because you're going to be down 35 nothing, and they're not going to suddenly stop scoring points. You know, that's one of the things that the – the defense kind of cranks it up in the second half too and, and makes some plays and, and teams don't score as many points on them in the second half. Well, you, you can't count on that from any of the teams they still have to play Kansas city, Cleveland and, and Baltimore. If, if they plan to only play one half of football, they're not going to win any of those games. No, you, you've scored one touchdown in the first half in your last four games combined one touchdown. Yeah. Um, actually, no, no, no touchdowns. Your only touchdown no was touchdowns. Five, yeah, week 11. Week 11 was your last first half yeah. touchdown. So it's time to worry about it. Yeah, it's 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 not it's time to worry about that, Big Ben. Uh, but I do agree with you, Kurt. I think it's more of a, you know, it's more on roster. It's more on coaching than it is on talent. I think there's there's talent on the team. But, you know, there are some guys that you can question. Are they buying into the program? And that kind of sets up one of my questions of the week for you. So let's do that on the other side. But first, here's some fantasy football advice for the playoffs from the huddle.com. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com. Let's go through some strong plays to help get you into the championship round. Quarterback Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Raven. The last time these teams met was in week 7 in Baltimore, and Burrow exploded for 416 yards on a trio of touchdown strikes. However, he's coming off his worst showing in more than a month, and it's understandable gamers are a little bit nervous. He has a get-right game against a Ravens secondary that has been hampered by injuries and is even weaker than it was the last time they met. Look for another huge showing from the 2020 number one overall pick. Running back James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars at New York Jets. Another highly talented player who's been a little bit shaky over recent weeks. Robinson has a matchup that is elite. The Jaguars are committed to Robinson now that Urban Meyer isn't in the picture, and it should only get better in Week 16. Running backs have averaged the third most yards on the ground against this defense in 2021, and no team has given up more than 16 rushing touchdowns behind the 23 allowed by the Jets. There's a huge opportunity for a late-season surge from the second year back. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard versus Cleveland Browns. In Week 14, it was Lazard who functioned as the number two target for Aaron Rodgers. Last Sunday, it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, leaving the former Cyclone to finish the day with 20 three yards on two catches. He should have had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but Rodgers overshot him. On Christmas, Lazard might be in position to deliver a big game with MVS on the COVID list, although a speedy teammate could clear the protocol, so keep tabs on the situation. Lazard is an interesting risk-reward option thanks to the consistent double teams on Devontae Adams, just as long as Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't in the picture. Noah Fant, tight end, Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Drew Locke is likely to start for the injured Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos really can't get much worse in the passing game, but we like Fant to finish in the top five among his positional mates. Fant has posted 50-plus yards in consecutive games, and he has at least four catches and 50-plus yards in three of the last five. 
He hasn't scored since week six, but that came against this matchup. Play Fant if you don't have a clear option for more points, but the matchup is among the best of the week. Best of luck getting to the championship round, and have a Merry Christmas. For award-winning tips, news, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's time for our questions of the week. A lightning round for Kurt. Three questions that he has not been prepped on. And here is question number one. It has been a, uh, a rough month for Chase Claypool, Kurt, right? Hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he goes from the let's lighten up the mood with some music at practice comment to one of the more unforgivable plays that I've seen, you know, watching football, covering football, whatever. And uh, we yeah. all know what it is, celebrating the first down against the Vikings with time running down, not doing everything you can to get that ball to the ref as fast as possible to get lined up and get on with the next play. So Claypool has taken a lot of heat. And, and how did he respond against Tennessee? He was kind of invisible, right? Didn't really do much. So, you know, where are you at with this player? Are you buying or selling Claypool at this point as a future Steeler stud? No, not at this point. I'm not buying it. And I hate that because I was his hype man in the offseason. I was ready to say he was Mike Evans and DK Metcalf and all these guys, these big physical guys. I was like, there's no reason he can't be those kind of players. But you go from... Two weeks ago, yeah, he had two really, really horrible plays. He had the penalty in the first half that got him benched, and then he had the first down pose late in the game. But in between there, he led the team in receptions and receiving yards. Yep. You know, he, he came back on the field and made plays. Insane catches, too. And yeah, just crazy plays. You know, it was like it was like he was mad, you know, because he got benched and he came out and really played. Last week, targeted twice no catches, but does find a way to get 12 receiving yards off of a lateral. And so that was basically his highlight of the entire game. He didn't do well blocking. And I think that's one of the things that when you look at Claypool, probably one of the most disappointing things to me, when Juju Smith-Schuster went out, Juju is arguably one of the top five or ten blocking wide receivers in the NFL. He's not the biggest guy, but he he's a great run blocker. Well, when he went out, it had to be Claypool to be the guy to step up. You can't ask Deontay Johnson and Ray Ray McLeod to be your run blockers out on the edges. And so with Claypool not able to block either, that completely eliminates a huge part of the run game. And that, and that falls back on him. You know, he's the biggest, strongest receiver on the team. He needs to be the one out there leading the way. But again, I think it's just a, a, a case of his effort – and his desire to succeed is going to waver 
within games. I, I don't think there's any consistency. I, I put up a picture a couple of weeks ago before the game, um, huge game, and he stops in the in like a, a little alcove underneath the stadium and is doing a, an impromptu photo shoot for his Instagram page with one of his buddies. And it's pregame, you know, everybody's showing up, getting ready for the game, and he's getting pictures taken of himself. <laughs> and it's like, that's where your head is an hour before kickoff or an hour and a half before kickoff. What can we really count on where your head is, you know, when the team's down? You know, because that's where guys like him kind of shut it down. Ball's not coming their way. The the offense is sputtering. Well, I'm not I'm not gonna hustle on routes. I'm not gonna run crisp routes. I mean, that's just that that's the impression he gives me. And I just hate that because I really thought this was gonna be his year where he just, you know, he, he was gonna be that big target that that's Ben hasn't had. You know, Martavis Bryant didn't work out, Plexico Burris didn't work out. I thought Claypool, this was gonna be his year, but it just it just hasn't happened. He's got a long way to go. I think that's it's safe yeah. to say that. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. This past offseason, we saw Bill Belichick and the Patriots go insane in free agency, right, Kurt? They're typically mm-hmm. more passive, but they were they went all out. They spent a ton of money and they did that whole thing. Uh, so buy or sell that the Steelers change their stripes. They're typically passive in free agency. But do you think they could change their their stripes this year and kind of plug a lot of holes? with a flurry of big free agent acquisitions this offseason? I am banking on that. I think that two things figure into that. I think one is that they have some money to spend. They're going to have, you know, up around $40 million in cap space, um, only have a handful of guys on the roster that they need to bring back. Um, but also the fact that they've traded away a pretty good chunk of their draft picks for next year. They have, they have their day one and day two picks, but they only have one pick on the third day. And so I can definitely see them, you know, sort of sort of evaluating the talent in the draft and going, okay, these are the three positions that we feel like offer the best value in the draft. Those are the, those are the positions we're going to target, and we're going to fill the rest of these needs through free agency. At least, at least that's what I'm counting on. You know, you look at a position, um, say, for example, offensive or defensive line. Those are positions where I think a, a – a coach like Tomlin would like to have veterans in there. You know, the offensive line already has young guys. They've got Kevin Dotson. They've got Dan Moore. They've got Kendrick Green. They need to bring a veteran or two in along that offensive line. Some stability. I think they thought they were going to get it with Trey Turner. He hasn't been very good, but he wasn't a a first-wave free agency signing. He was well into the process. Um, So I could definitely see them adding a player there. I could definitely see him in free agency adding help on the defensive line too because they've got some young guys there too. They've got Bugs, they've got Loudermilk, they've got Carlos Davis. But Cam Hayward can't play forever, and they need a guy who can play. And we we don't know anything about Stephon Tewitt. Is he going to play this year? Is he going to come back and play next year? I don't know. And so I could see those being areas, you know, cornerback is another one. Steelers don't draft cornerbacks very well. Um, Joe Hayden's probably not going to get a contract, so you – you go find another veteran cornerback to fill in and, and do it that way, then hit your other needs, you know, whether it's wide receiver or, um, you know, linebacker and safety and, and spots like that through the draft. Question number three, you were definitely a hype man for Chase Claypool. 
you were kind of a critic of Deontay Johnson, right? You were you're a little bit yeah. of a critic of Deontay when he was having those drop issues, but uh, you know, this year he's played in every single game, sixth in the NFL in catches, tenth in yards. He got his first one thousand yard season. He clinched that this past week. So, uh, do you think that Deontay is on his way to a, a future second contract? Do you think he's a, a second contract guy for the Steelers at this point? I do. I do. I think they'll. I think they'll keep him. I think he, he, you look at the way he plays. Um, you know, he's kind of a, a, a Antonio Brown light without the baggage at this point. Now, it's not to say a, a big contract won't change that, but you know, I, I do think he did everything he needs to do to uh, to earn that contract. And I, I was, I was tough on him. You know, you you lead the league in drops. There, there's no, there's no arguing around that. I mean, he struggled, but he he put in the work this off season. So I've got to, I've got to give him credit for that. I think he's a really good player. I think that the if you watch him in games, I think his contributions get get uh, over overshadowed a little bit at times um, by by the the deep plays and the you know Chase Claypool making a deep catch or drawing a big pass interference or whatever it may be. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Meanwhile, you got Deontay Johnson catching all these underneath routes and going eight, 10 yards after the catch and getting first downs. And that's, that's exactly what the Steelers offense needs. You know, that's, that's what Juju did. That's what Deontay's doing now. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I've, a, I've, I've changed my tune on him. I, I think I, well, I know I wrote him off too soon, but that's that's just me. I mean, I'm I'm a little reactionary at times, so that's fine. That's fine. That's what a good I'm, fan I'm happy does. to be wrong. Yeah, that's what a good fan does. We we got to react, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, thinking back to that Vikings game where you know that game where on that drive when Claypool did the uh, the first down thing, Deontay had a big catch on that drive where he caught it, and he should have been tackled in bounds, but he had the wherewithal to gain yardage mm-hmm. and get out of bounds and dodge those tacklers and. It just shows he's got his head screwed on. He get he gets it. He gets it. I hope they do. Um, I hope they do give him a second contract. Like only two receivers have more targets this year, and it's Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. You know those, those are the oh, only wow. two that have more targets yeah. than Deontay Johnson. Okay, that wraps up our yeah. questions of the week. The Steelers are big underdogs going to Kansas City, but that line has come down for a variety of reasons. And Kurt and I will talk about that and make a pick right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Dallas Cowboys favored 9.5 points and the total sitting at 47.5. I'm on the under 47.5 here. This is a pros versus Joes game as more money has been on the under, but more bets have been placed on the over. Typically in sports betting, it's wise to follow the money, especially when it's counter to the public. Also, Cowboys offense has regressed. They've hit the under in seven of the last eight games, and Washington's offense just isn't that good. They've hit under in seven of the last nine games. Nate, how are you betting this Washington-Dallas game? I'm rolling with Dallas by 10 or more. Washington is still banged up, has players on the COVID list, and has the league's second-worst third-down conversion rate. For opponents with Dallas tied at 11 and three for the best covering teams in the league, I'd rather bet against them than for them. Also, they started up 24-0 in these two teams' first matchup. Give me Dallas by 10. 
That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt, early in the week, the Steelers were nine-and-a-half-point underdogs heading to the Chiefs. That line has come down two points. The Steelers are now seven-and-a-half-point underdogs on Tipico, and I have to imagine it's because of the COVID issues with Kansas City, right? They have a bunch of guys going on the list, and they have a little bit of an outbreak, including Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Now, that doesn't mean that Hill and Kelsey won't be able to play in this game, Kurt, but, you know, they're battling COVID. You never know. They could be limited. Yep. They might miss practice. We'll have to see. And you look at that Chiefs blowout win over the Chargers. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, those guys combined for 22 of Patrick Mahomes' 31 completions and 340 of his 410 yards and all three of his touchdown passes in that game. So you cannot That's overstate crazy. the importance of these two players, right? If those two right. players are out, I, I love the Steelers, but... Seven and a half points for the Steelers, even going up against a team as good as the Chiefs on the road. You know, I, I tend to like Pittsburgh when they get this many points. What do you think about it? I do. I, I, I really like them at nine and a half. I'm not sure I like them quite as much at seven and a half. But again, we aren't going to know until probably Saturday what the what the status of Hill and, and Kelsey are. And so that, that makes it tough. We don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring for either of these teams when it comes to COVID testing. Um, you know, there, there could be more guys placed on for either side. You always look at it and you look at the position unit and you go, okay, wide receiver tested positive. Are the other guys in the meeting room going to test positive now? You know, who's, yeah. who's going to follow behind at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I couldn't imagine if the, if the Steelers suddenly had, you know, Deontay Johnson and, and Najee Harris out, um, you know, the, they're, they're his, the two most consistent weapons on the, on the offense, how, how they would account for that. You know, the, the, there, there'd be no way that Pittsburgh could move the football. Now, I think Kansas City's got, got some other weapons. I think they've got some guys. They can run the ball if they need to. I mean, they've got a couple of good backs. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I like, I like nine-and-a-half. I'm not sure on seven-and-a-half um, because I just don't know – where Pittsburgh is going to get points from. Unfortunately, I just Kansas city's defense is playing a little better. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, if, if Kelsey and, and Hill are both out, I, I could probably see seven and a half at this point. I've, I've, I've given up on the idea of trying to predict something like that. So, yeah, you know, I, it really sounds like Kelsey's probably going to make it back in time. Um, but again, they've got to spend a week away from the facility. They don't get to train. They don't get to, to practice with their teammates. So that's a mixed bag. We've seen that this year. Some guys come back and play fine after being out for a week. Some guys don't. Um, this will be kind of a new experience for the Chiefs. I know for the Steelers, you know, after the co- two COVID fiascos last year, um, nothing would surprise me in, in this game that, few more guys get sick, they end up moving it on them or something like that again. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Chris Jones is another guy for the Chiefs that's on the list. So, you know, I thought coming into this game, the one spot that I did kind of worry about the Chiefs more is their 
defense against the Steelers' offense because the Chiefs' defense has been excellent of of late. They've been yeah. game wreckers in the pass rush, and if Ben has to hold the ball at all, there's a good chance he's going to have pressure all up in him. Right? I mean, they're going to be all around him. The Chiefs have been just dominant. Steve Spagnuolo is like back. You know, he's really dialing it up. Yeah. But again, Chris Jones's availability could could play into that. My mm-hmm. gut feeling is that this game might go under. 45.5 is where the total is at last check, and I could kind of see Pittsburgh struggling to score, but I could also see the defense making yeah. some plays, especially if the Chiefs are shorthanded. So I think, you know, what do you think about yeah. that total, 45.5? I do, because I think that I think we what we saw last week was the Steelers' defense has decided, regardless of what, what scheme or, or who we're playing, that the leaders of this defense just have to go all out and make plays. I, I think that's what we saw last week. I think that's what we're going to see going forward. These guys have just decided they have to take it upon themselves, whether it's, you know, sac- throwing your body the way Minka Fitzpatrick did, just throwing his body into it. Um, you know, Joe Hayden on a, on a pitch count going out and making plays, TJ Watt, whoever it is. Yeah, I think, I think the Steelers' defense has realized we're not going to let the fact that the the play calls coming in aren't really working for us. We're just going to go out and work harder, and hopefully the offense can can pick up some of that. But yeah, I I do like the under in this one. I don't I don't think both teams are going to struggle. And if Kelsey and Hill are out for sure, I'd take the under. All right, man. I always appreciate the energy and the knowledge, especially on a holiday week. I hope I hope it's a great Christmas for you and the family, my man. You too. You too. I hope everybody enjoys Christmas. We all we're all ready. Yeah, it's great. Christmas time. There's football every freaking day, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Sunday. I mean, it, there's football every day. So who doesn't love that besides my wife? I mean, you just be watching football nonstop. So uh, everybody enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. We'll be back next week to talk Steelers Chiefs. Looking forward to that. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.